Hey, everybody, and welcome back in to Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me, and Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Pretty good. Pretty good. All right. I guess man. we're doing fine in this weird new normal. It is the new normal, and the new normal is kind of sucks butt, but, uh, you know, we'll talk about it. We got plenty of time to talk about that. Um, we got something kind of fun planned today. I'm excited about doing more of these, and so we'll have to pick another game. But today in the uh, second the second and third portion of this program, we're going to talk about the Alabama-Clemson game of 08 and it's, you know, what it meant, the ramifications of it, maybe some what-ifs, um, some observations that, you know, from a game we hadn't watched in probably a long time because there have been several ass-kicking since then. But I um, thought we'd start off talking about how some of the uh, free agency stuff is going. I think we talked about it yesterday. Derrick Henry franchise tagged um, with the Titans, so he'll be there another year. Kenyon Drake transition tagged, so he will be with the Cardinals probably. Um, but meanwhile, AJ McCarron signed with resigned with the Houston Texans, so um, he's uh, he's returning for another year. Um, he's going to get three point seven five million guaranteed. Uh, you know, hey, good for him. Yeah, I mean it's a great, great deal, and, and it tells me I'm I'm not the, the the world's biggest NFL expert. I'm not Adam Schefter or or Daniel Jeremiah here, but it tells me. And since AJ got a guaranteed deal, so he gets four million no matter what. That 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 to me means he's definitely the number two quarterback, right? I mean you don't go oh, yeah. some more dollars. I mean, gosh, that's just a waste of money if you plan on cutting AJ and going with a, another seventeen. $4 million. So that means business in terms of draft and or at least in terms of free agency. And uh and they'll go into next season with Deshaun Watson at one and AJ at two. And they're very comfortable with that. And great for AJ, who's now made unless it's added up wrong. I saw it today somewhere AJ will have now made around sixteen million dollars playing pro football, which is just fantastic for him and his family. And Alabama had, had such a dearth of quarterbacks over the years. AJ is easily our most successful pro quarter, pro quarterback since Jeff Rutledge, and before that Richard Todd. Just crazy. Now Tua is going to smash all these records and everything of note. Tua may get more than sixteen million in his first contract, but just happy for AJ. And uh, I know he's frustrated in terms that he would love to be a starting quarterback in the NFL, of course. But hey. This is literally the second best thing. And uh, gosh, if he gets to escape the game of, if he gets to play professional football and, and qualify for all pensions and walk away having earned over $20 million, I mean, don't, don't, don't feel bad for that dude. I mean, he, 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 he did a great job with his football career. Uh, there's no doubt. Uh, no doubt. Um, Jaron Reed. Signs a two-year, twenty-three million dollar deal with Seattle, which what a, is what a great ball player that dude is. Oh. He's probably somebody we don't talk about enough in terms of what he did at Alabama. I mean, he he helped win the most improbable SEC championship in twenty fourteen. I would say uh, of all our SEC championships, that was the most improbable one because it was quarterbacked by Blake Sims. And then in 2015, and we didn't have awesome defensive personnel across the board in 2014, and our defense dipped a little bit, but not where he was concerned. And then in 2015, his second year on campus, we win the national championship. So 
and had a fantastic defense in 2015. So uh, we don't talk about Jaron Reed enough as a guy that probably should be first team all Saban era. Certainly has the certainly has a resume for it. Um, breaking news as we're just sitting here talking, Philip Rivers will join Colts. the Colts on a one year deal. Wow. One year deal. I mean, look, it, how many Alabama connections are there today? First of all, and then Amari Cooper gets a five year, $100 million deal, 60 million guaranteed. Um, that means Alabama alums now make up the top two money makers in on the wide receiving position in the NFL with Julio and, and Amari. That's incredible. Um, but Rivers, of course, from Athens, Alabama, went to NC State, been at San Diego forever, and he's joining the Colts. Uh, they already have Jacoby Brissett. I, I thought they liked Jacoby Brissett. Maybe they don't like him so much. Um, but the NFL has been so crazy today, and I talked about it yesterday, how the NFL is the one league that just keeps winning in the middle of coronavirus stuff. I mean, it's bananas how well, well they do. It's news. It's news. I mean, these, these are, this is enormous news, particularly when it comes to the quarterbacks, and the quarterback carousel has been uh, fun, and it's mind-boggling because of how fast it's all moved, even though these deals have probably been in the works for a while. Uh but may, I tell you what, it makes the Colts to me a legitimate, not just a playoff contender, but I think the Colts can get in the playoffs in advance with Rivers. Uh, I mean, I think they're a really good team or a good team a year ago with Brissett. Uh, man, what a story. I think Philip Rivers' family has moved to Florida. I'm assuming the family will remain in Florida and Rivers will just live out of a hotel slash apartment for the year he's up there uh, trying to win a championship. But wow, what a story. Vic Beasley has joined the Falcons today. Or no, excuse me, left the Falcons, joined the Titans today. Wow. Um and of course, Tom Brady retired, which is just oh what am I talking about? He retired. Breaking news. Breaking that is news. some breaking news. Tom Brady uh he retired from the Patriots. He's gonna go somewhere else. Um and, everybody's uh, seeing the Buccaneers. I I mean, I would hope for his sake it's the Chargers for a couple of reasons. I think the Chargers make more sense. I think him and Giselle uh, living in L.A. makes all the sense in the world. He's a California guy. She has made her whole career in entertainment. Uh, the Chargers feel to me to be a better team than the Buccaneers in terms of can Brady get the, the Chargers to the playoffs. I, I think they're a borderline playoff team. Uh, with Brady, they could be better. Uh, that makes more sense to me than the Buccaneers, but – there's rumors that that you know he's very comfortable with the idea of playing for Bruce Arians, who has got a reputation as a quarterback whisperer. But shit, I mean Brady, what 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 more do you need to learn about playing quarterback? Yeah. I mean, what, Arians Bruce Arians is going to learn from him. Arians is going to learn from him. Yeah. So uh, I, I don't understand that, but uh, you got to like the well, weather down I, there. I, so maybe maybe after being a super team guy all these years. And being just, um, you know, team first, no I in team. Even today, his announcement, he didn't mention any of his own accolades. He, he kept talking about, you know, we did it, we did this, we did that. Maybe he wants to go to Tampa Bay and sling the rock to O.J. Howard and Mike Evans a little bit. Uh, Tampa Bay arguably has the best one-two, maybe one-two-three punch in the NFL in terms of, of receivers and, and – uh, or just pass catchers, I should say. 
And so maybe he wants to go build up his own stats a little bit because I can't look at Tampa Bay and say, oh, yeah, man, this is a team that's just – if they just have a quarterback that doesn't throw 40 interceptions, they're, they're going to be in this thing. I, I don't look at them that way. Um, but, you know, and I, I don't necessarily look at the Chargers that way either. I, so I think both of these are a little baffling to me. The Chargers makes more sense because of his living situation. You're right. And speaking, tying this all back into six degrees of separation from Alabama, of course, Tom Brady played against Alabama in the 2000 Orange Bowl. Um, a lot of people remember it, and that he had a hell of a ball game. And, of course, a missed extra point in overtime is how we lost that, which is only you a, the norm. Good, this, this is a good question. I bet if you ask three people, you get three different answers. So there's no right or wrong answer. Uh, there might be a prediction as to what Belichick would do. But let's say I can't imagine Bill Belichick going into a season – where he doesn't, where he hasn't built a team that he thinks can go to the Super Bowl and win. I, I refuse to believe Belichick goes, eh, you know, I got a pretty good team. I can be bad at quarterback. I, I, I don't think he looks at things that way. I think he wants the best quarterback possible to win now. And I'm going to give you three free agent options. If you're the Patriots and Bill Belichick, who do you choose? And I'm not saying he's limited to these three, but these three names that could be available to him. Andy Dalton, Jameis Winston, Cam Newton. If you're the Patriots and you want to win next year, which one of those three do you choose? And I bet you get, I think you can ask three different, even three different NFL GMs, you get three different answers. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I think you could easily have three different answers there. Uh, I would not, I mean, call it the bammer in me. I wouldn't do Cam Newton simply because I don't see there's any way he's going to take to that me it's kind health. of coaching. And to me, it's health and, and health. a bad personality fit. I mean, he's had questionable health. Terrible personality and he, fit. And he's a terrible personality fit. I, 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 I don't like the Cam. Now, I'm not saying that Cam Newton's days as a starting quarterback or a successful starting quarterback are over. I don't know that. I'm just saying that that doesn't feel... I would I would put Cam last of the three, even though he is a somewhat recent NFL MVP. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think Cam is the kind of guy that as long as he's the man, he's gonna seem like the perfect teammate. Cause you know, Auburn fans look at him with such adoration because it's easy to because he he was the man. I mean, he was it, he was the thing. And so it's easy to say, yeah, you know, we did it, you know, knowing in the back of my mind, I did it. Um, But now that he's on the backside of his career and he is starting to get hurt more and he's throwing bad interceptions, having bad games. I think a lot of this, you could argue, started when he didn't dive on that fumble in the Super Bowl. Yeah, he's never really outlived that. I don't think even even though it's not in his face every day, I think those whispers will always be out there. I tell you, I mean, people are going to, again, I didn't give you three A-plus options. I'm just saying those are three big names that are out there. Uh, I I think Dalton might be one of those guys. Hey, you put a good team around that guy, he's probably better than you think. The Bengals, Bengals, while they had A.J. Green, how many years when Dalton was in Cincinnati were they good? I'm just saying that I think Dalton might have taken a bit too much heat for for only being an eight and eight quarterback, half the time he was quarterback in a six and ten team to eight and eight. Um, I, I I I'm not saying hey take Dalton you're going to win the Super Bowl. 
I'm just saying Cam's a bad personality fit. I worry about his health. James Winston throws too many interceptions. He he has a world of talent. He has a magnetic personality. He he seems to weirdly somehow be a good leader. He's the right age because he's still a very young guy that that, that, that could really be molded. And I won't be shocked if it's Winston to New England. But between the three, I take Dalton and and and, and maybe a, another quarterback in the draft. Uh, and, and take Dalton for the short term, thinking that you know what, a veteran, veteran leader put a good team around, and we might win more games than you think. All right, Jimmy, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to get into this 2008 Clemson game. Okay, Jimmy, I've been looking forward to this. Um, I was worried I wasn't going to get time to watch this game on YouTube, like we talked about, but I was able to squeeze it in last night. I had to watch my daughter uh, all night by my lonesome. But anyway, oh, man, that was so much fun. And listening to Musburger call the game was cool. It's one of the Um, best parts. One of the best parts of that. I loved it, and it was a great idea you had. And and we got lucky and picked a good game right off the bat. But, yeah, so many – so many observations just outside of the game because you forget how – man, this is what you're talking about 13 seasons ago. If you're talking about 2020, I mean, you're going back 12 or 13 seasons, and that can be like a lifetime of football. But but just hearing big game Musburger, I miss that guy and his voice. And uh, I know he's easy to make fun of to some extent to some people, particularly the younger people. But but to me, I hear Brent Musburger's name, and I think, man, Alabama's playing in a big-ass football game right here. That's Musburger. Well, and, you know, he did the 89 Tennessee game, which I remember so well. Yep. Um, so I ran Stacy explodes. And then in this game, even when it was CJ Spiller returning that second half kickoff for a touchdown, put it on the board, baby. I was like, yeah, he's got sort of this like edge to him. And, it, you know, now he's in all this gambling stuff uh, in, in Vegas and he's the, the play-by-play voice for the, the Las Vegas Raiders. And uh, anyway, awesome. I thought that was pretty good. Um, Man, you want to talk about something that was a harbinger of things to come. Early in that game, our first drive, we had a third and one. Yep. In- Ingram gets the Ingram. carry. We had Glenn yep. Coffee back there. Yep. Ingram gets the carry, which to- should have told us immediately, okay, they've already tr- they're already trusting this guy a ton, which led to not shortly thereafter the story about uh, Nick Saban, when he was on the coaching staff at Michigan State, and he was in charge of uh, keeping a, a stranglehold on uh, Mark Ingram's dad, and he got to know the girlfriend real well, who ended up, you know, they ended up marrying, and then they produced Mark, and you know, pretty good story right there. I had forgotten about. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, and uh, good recruiting story. You know, Mark uh, Musburger acted like uh, Mark Ingram signing Mark Ingram was a recruiting home run. <laughs> But as we know, as Alabama fans, I, I wouldn't say that Mark Ingram was was lowly rated or totally off the radar, but his name was added to the Alabama board late. The, the day he committed, most Alabama fans were like, who is that guy? I mean, he he he, he was not a year-long target. I mean, I would imagine, I won't remember now, it's impossible. I would imagine we only took Mark maybe because we missed on somebody else because Mark was just sort of late in the process, but... Gosh, seeing Mark Ingram and Julio Jones play prominent roles in the first quarter of their true freshman seasons, 
I, I just talk about that for first of all shows what just dynamic freaks they were and they would become two of the greatest players in the history of University of Alabama. But obviously back then there was more opportunity to there were true freshmen and, and, and Nick signees all over the place. We were winning the game. Uh, Dante Hightower recovered a fumble early in that game. He was a mm-hmm. true freshman. Um, wow, just so much to unpack and so much going on. But yes, the presence of Ingram. And uh, and Julio playing prominent roles in the first quarter of their first collegiate football game. That was incredible. Well, I just looked up Ingram's recruiting profile, and he was rated the number 112 player in the country, number 10 RB. Um, and uh, he committed, he visited Alabama on January 11th. So, he, I mean, <laughs> yeah, maybe go. he was a bit of a late addition, but it wasn't super late. Um, and he was pretty highly touted. I mean, he was a high four star. So, and and I kind of remembered him that way. And I remember seeing his, uh, his tape, uh, the, the video watching of him. And and I was like, Oh my God, this guy's, this guy runs with authority. Yeah. You're right that he did move up and ended up ranked pretty good at 112. But I bet, I bet my, my, again, I I can't remember exactly, but I think he was elated late recruit by Alabama, Alabama signs him three, four signing day. And then in the final rankings, you know, now that he signed with Nick Saban's Alabama, so everybody knew who he was. They all took a look at that film you looked at, and he jumps up, you know, like a hundred spots, you know, from the from where he was before. But getting this huge Bamba bump that, in this case, was extremely well deserved. But because he really was that good. But I, I I loved it. Here's my favorite. I'll jump ahead to my favorite part. It, it doesn't have to do necessarily with the outcome of the game or how well we played. But we ran the ball a ton, particularly early in the game, with Coffee and Ingram. We played with two tight ends and a full, we played with two tight ends and a fullback on some on some snaps. And this is something that Herb Street said in the first quarter. He said, "This is a throwback offense in this era of spread football and throw it around, throw it around." Nick yeah. Saban and Jim McElwain have built a throwback power <laughs> offense that's going to be very difficult for teams to stop. And I'm like. 2008 was the era of the spread, uh, throw it around stuff. I mean, exactly. What is it? What's it going to look like 12 years from now? No one ever runs the ball, no matter what. And everyone plays with five wides on every snap at, at, at this super extreme tempo. I mean, what's left? If 08 was that era of the spread, then what the hell is now? You know, so that's that's one thing that jumped out to me. No, and, and I caught the same thing, and it just made me laugh because I was thinking, how much more – if this is – like, this is going crazy. And, and you're right, in five years, the center is not going to even he, – he's going to point the ball the other way and just snap it through his legs to a wide receiver who's already taken <laughs> off down the field. You know, that's going to be the new spread offense. He's just a total – forego the quarterback cut out the middleman um but you know really quickly too and i don't want to get hung up too much on mark ingram here but i think it's funny i look back on crimson country club our recruiting rap from from wait win and uh kudos to our boy lawrence for keeping all this up you had the most pleasant surprise mark ingram he's the first kid from michigan to sign with alabama since well someone older than me will have to answer that question on top of it all he is a national two top 250 type plays a need position and will help us right off the bat i don't recall seeing mark on too many early projection lists this winter and fall g which means grin which is sort of sort of stupid but uh yeah, sort of that's, that's you 
Uh, and then my take terrible. on it was I called him the most important recruit because mm. I'm usually a believer in solid linemen holding down this position, but Ingram is instantly the best running back on campus once he gets to oh. Tuscaloosa. He also makes Grant, Coffee, and Upchurch better as they will know their roles better once Ingram takes over, and I'm convinced he will. Man, I'm patting myself on the back for saying that. Oh, yeah, right yeah. There. No, no, that's really good. No, we both we both were high on him, and I guess my recollection of, of his recruitment sounds at all. It all sounds right. So it sounds like to me like uh, here's a guy that in December, none of us were saying is an Alabama signee. Then he becomes one, but instead of assuming too much, we both watched the tape. And we both see exactly what he is, and we come out of it going, where, where was everybody on this guy? He's, he's a badass. This, this isn't just our fifth choice. <laughs> this guy is a badass football player, and, uh, and, and we saw that from the high school tape. Um, a few other things, and feel free to, to stop me anywhere you want to go here. But uh, on that first drive, there was also a snap infraction on a play yeah. where JPW – hits Mays on a pass. It should have been a touchdown. It was a bad pass from uh, John Parker. And Mays made an incredible catch, but it was negated because of a snap infraction, which sort of pissed me off even in the moment. Um, By the way, were you at this game? I was at this game. I was not at the game. All right. It's one of the drunkest I've ever been at a football game. And I'm talking, I was downtown drunk. And by (laughs) by the time I realized that we're about to beat their ass, and I was really drunk. And then they I think they quit selling alcohol at halftime, um, right. if I remember right. And so we just loaded the pony, you know, right at halftime. And uh, <laughs> then they returned that kickoff. And, of course, now, you know, you're, you're, the alcohol's kicking in. Your emotions are a roller coaster. I'm like, oh, God, here we go. We're going to lose. Um, I just remember that. Uh, how about this, though? On the first drive, we kick a 54-yard field goal. And then we kick yep. another field, 30, I think it's a 34-yarder. And then he kicks a couple more field goals. Now he missed a 52-yarder, and I forgot it was Lee Tiffin. I mean, I was like, holy shit, that was Lee Tiffin. I, I just forgot Lee Tiffin. People forget how good he was. Lee Tiffin was a first-team All-American. He is the one anomaly blip in the Saban era in terms of kicker. Anybody out there that says, oh, we've never had a good kicker, you, then you forgot Lee Tiffin. And Lee Tiffin was outstanding, and in 2009 was a first-team All-American. And I believe it's true he is one of the most accurate kickers in the history of NCAA football. He's on, like, the all-time list, you know. And uh, he was very, very good. We we had a really good kicker in in 09. We had the best kicker in the country in 09, and he was really good in 08, pretty good in 07, had his freshman year struggles, and – that's what I'll forever say about young kickers. I mean, like, gosh, Lee Tiffin was the best kicker in the country when he left, but even he wasn't that great when he was a freshman. I mean, it takes a while sometimes, people. And you know what I remember most about him is missing uh, the the kicks at Arkansas and also yep. missing – I think he missed the extra point on the last touchdown against Texas in the national championship game, if memory serves. Which is really strange because he didn't miss that many extra scary. points after after meant- that 06. Year. It meant oh. nothing, but it's such a deflating moment when you score a touchdown. And you're like, "Oh, we're just beating that ass," and then like we missed the extra point, and they're like, "Okay, we're yeah. only 16 points up." I mean, theoretically, they could come back. Um, right. Anyway, let's go ahead and take one more break, Jimmy, and then we'll uh, talk a little bit more about this game. Got some other interesting notes, so y'all, everybody, just hang in there. Okay, 
Jimmy, um, the other thing that I loved about remembering about this was James Davis was on Clemson's team. And if you remember, man, we were pining for that guy. I mean, absolutely pining to sign that guy. And uh, we didn't. And he goes to Clemson and he had a pretty nice career, not a great career, pretty nice career. But he and CJ Spiller on the same team. That's, That's a dynamic duo right there. Yeah, how about just a great recruiting? We we could come up with a hundred examples if you've gave us enough time to remember it all. But how many times, Luke, in recruiting, have we as Alabama fans cried our, particularly in the old days, not so much under Saban, it's happened, but particularly in the old days, cried ourselves to sleep because we miss on somebody like James Davis, and we end up with someone like Mark Ingram, who proves to be the much better player. Oh, no doubt. So. I'm just saying, we we stress too much over losing recruits. First of all, you can't lose something you never had. Secondly, I don't care how highly rated a kid is. Nobody knows. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Third, it's not about who plays for them. It's about who plays for you. And, uh, yeah, we missed on James Davis, but (laughs) we ended up doing pretty good at running back from that day forward. Ingram wasn't the last good one we had either. And uh, even Nick Saban and Burton Burns coached up Glenn Coffey into a really good player. Uh, Coffey was a high-quality player in 08. Yeah, Upchurch, he's even – I mentioned him in the previous uh, segment, and Upchurch even had a couple of good little screen pass plays, um, which, you know, everybody remembers him for the catch against Auburn uh, to, to beat them in 09. Also, probably for his running over a dude in the Georgia game on that surprise draw in 08 when he um, just trucked a dude to get in the end zone. Uh, It was a surprise draw because it was like third and goal from the five or or maybe third and five from the 10 or something like that. And we handed it to Upchurch and he goes in for a touchdown. Nick Walker had a huge game. Uh, I mean, even Musburger was like, uh, who the hell is Nick Walker? And why didn't somebody tell me about him? He caught everything. We had one of those vintage – play action pass to the tight end in the back of the end zone moments uh, for our first score. Um, Brandon Dederick had a big sack and he works for Jeremy Pruitt. A lot of our fans know Brandon Dederick works for Tennessee and Jeremy Pruitt. He's not a full-time assistant coach. He's more of a support staff off the field guy, but Brandon Dederick works for Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Well, the thing that I love about him is uh, when he was making his commitment, he's from Elizabethtown, Kentucky. And I remember that because I was driving through Elizabethtown, Kentucky, when he was making his announcement. <laughs> Isn't that cool weird? Memory. He was a highly yeah. recruited guy. He committed to the Shul staff, I think. He he was yeah. a highly recruited guy for that era in terms of in terms of us signing a highly rated out of state guy. He was kind of a unicorn uh, in the Shul era. We didn't sign many highly rated out of state guys in that whole four years, but uh, Dedrick was one of them, and he uh, turned into a good player. Not awesome, but good. No, he was – look, I would take – give me a bunch of Dedricks. I'm fine with it. I thought he was very good. He was not a superstar. You know, yeah, you'd rather have a bunch of Marcel Dariuses. Come on. But, I mean, this guy is not – he was not chopped liver, and he played in the pros for a while. Um, He did. Yeah, he had a good NFL career and is a good kid, as evidenced by the fact uh, he continues to have a job in college football. All right, a couple of other notes. Kansas was number 14. In this game, I mean, they. they I just saw the scroll. You know, teams. And <laughs> Kansas was that. number fourteen. We were number twenty-four. Clemson was number nine. Um, and also Virginia Tech, who was ranked pretty highly at the time, they lose to East Carolina because of a blocked punt at the end of the game, returned for a touchdown. 
they lose 27-22. And I remember that game. Now I remember the highlight of the block punt as soon as I saw the score. But, um, you know, it's funny to look back on things like that. J- uh, John Parker Wilson showed uh, he showed that maybe he was Greg McElroy before being Greg McElroy was cool. He he did some had some really nice running plays in the Georgia Dome. Hey, good um, athlete. That, oh yeah, he was. John a, Parker was he, always he was a, a good hell of a baseball player. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was a good athlete, and he 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 hung around the NFL longer than any of us would have guessed. You know, uh, you know, I I think he might have even been on a roster for four years and might end up with a pension check. I mean, I I, I don't remember the exact, but John Parker. Uh, you know, he, he was he was a he was a good good football player. He, he wasn't awesome. Tua has changed our perception of that position for right now. But I'm telling John Parker Wilson, pretty pretty good football player. Um, how about this? His stat line was 22 of 30, 180 yards and three touchdowns, and we would call that a mediocre half for Tua. Huh. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just changed. Really. Everything has changed. One thing, another stat that stood out to me, or stat or is a statement. Clemson was favored to beat us. They were ranked number nine. We were number 24. It was Tommy Bowden's 10th year at Clemson. He would be fired midseason because they were preseason top 10, and then they lose to Alabama. Actually get their ass kicked by Alabama in the opener. It sort of went downhill for him from there. He gets fired and replaced by Dabo. But Tommy Bowden, this is how Dabo has changed Clemson. Tommy, Even though Tommy Bowden got fired, that was his 10th year. You don't make it to year 10 no in way. Power 5 football unless you're winning and everyone is generally behind you most of the time. So that tells me during the vast majority of Tommy Bowden's tenure, Clemson believed they had a quality coach. And they did, I'm sure. He wouldn't have been there. But even though it was year 10, Tommy Bowden never once won the ACC. Not one time. Now look at what Clemson wow. does. Now look at what Clemson does. And I know some some jackass is going to say, oh, well, Florida State was different than, than they are now. Yeah, I know that's true, but that's also one team. That's, that's one, you know. And Miami was good some of the time. Virginia Tech was good some of the time, but Virginia Tech also does things like lose to East Carolina in the opener. They are, and, and one year recently, Virginia Tech lost to James Madison in an opener. Um, right. I'm just saying, Dabo built – an Alabama-type dynasty at Clemson. And you're talking about historically a team that felt they were pretty good and had a good coach when they weren't even winning their own league. Yeah. So, and there's still people out there that go, Dabo's goofy and they don't think he's a great coach. People are nuts. Dabo's one of the great coaches in the history of football, solely on what he's accomplished at Clemson. And also, people forget how much we wanted Tommy Bowden. I mean, I yeah, remember he, I went to the, 02. Was it 02 when we I think it was 02 because I 01, went to 01. The, 01. Well, I knew it was something we were, like that because I went to the a Clemson Georgia Tech game at Death Valley. Ironically, Clemson won because I was sort of dating a girl from Clemson at the time. And um, I kept telling her, like, oh man, we got to have your coach. We're going to take, she was like, you can't have our coach. I was like, we're Alabama and you're Clemson. We're taking your coach. Um, and uh, it just, you know, of course, it didn't come to fruition and whatever. That you know, was man. 01. He was a finalist or somebody we strongly consider. We hired Dennis Franchoni in 01. Right. And and Tommy Bowden's first head coaching job was at Tulane before he went to Clemson. He went undefeated at Tulane. That's right. 
Right. Yeah, so so Tommy Bowden was a good coach. You don't go undefeated at Tulane when you're a moron. So he was a really good coach and did some good things at Clemson to last 10 years. And then Dabo's accomplishments just leave him in the dust. So oh, that's a hell of a right. coach they got there in uh, William Christopher Sweeney. Um, the other thing that stood out to me, uh, we had a touchdown to Julio Jones late in the game, and you know, Musburger's like the first of many for this youngster, and he was dead on. Um, and then we go for two and we run a toss sweep to the left side with Ingram. And I think that's the kind of play where everybody said, Okay, these folks are different. I mean, you know, where everybody else, you know, oh my God, we gotta get two points. We gotta pass. I mean, you gotta pass, gotta pass. We're running toss sweeps. We're going student body left. And it was um it was a sight to see. And look, I love what we've got now is so exciting. I, I love all that. I know that we have to do it this way, but there was something about uh I think it was oh gosh, what what was it? Brett was maybe it was outkick the coverage or somebody, maybe it was the LSU freak had a uh, gif of you know, Nick Saban's automatic pit slapping machine. And it was like this yeah. old truck with like all these different gloves, like slapping the hell out of people as it goes down the road. And that's when it started. I mean, doing things like that is how it started. It changed the culture immediately. Um, and while we do say this is the probably the turning point, I think you could make the argument the turning point was actually 07 La Monroe if you want to. It's just we didn't win that game. I think that's when – it was shit or get off the pot time for all the players. Now, I know we went on to lose to Auburn the next game, but we just weren't a good enough team to go into Jordan here and win that. If that game had been at Bryant Denny, we might we probably had a shot. Um, so, yeah, this was a lot of fun to watch, Jimmy. Uh, what game you want to do next? I'm such a boring chronology guy. I would have to look at the, if you could pull up, if you, if you got in front of you, if you could pull up the 08 schedule, like was, was Georgia – the next big game, and I mean, what if Clemson announced? If Clemson, if the Clemson game announced, we're here and we're Alabama is literally <laughs> back. People had heard that Alabama's back. A few false alarms. Clemson was Alabama is back and in a badass football team, and it might be that way for a while because they got true freshmen all over the field. Um, here's how that. Was, here's how the 08 schedule went. It went Clemson, Tulane at home. And we only win that game twenty to six, and it yeah. and also it was pay per view, um, <laughs> and then uh, isn't that weird? And then Western wow. Kentucky pay per view, um, and we win that game forty one to seven. Then at Arkansas, and we beat the fire out of them forty nine to fourteen. And then at Georgia, Kentucky at uh-huh. home, Ole Miss at home, and the Ole Miss game was a tight one twenty four twenty. Interesting at Tennessee. Uh, Arkansas when State they, at Tennessee LSU. was probably pretty pretty decent in 08. They're probably decent. I don't know the record. Yeah. I bet I bet Tennessee wasn't terrible. Um, I don't. It doesn't have their record here, right. but um, at LSU, that I'll tell you what. Overtime. Everybody, it seems like everybody's doing the Georgia game already. Why don't right. we do the we skip LSU over. game? Yeah, yeah, skip over Georgia game. Yeah, I was thinking like, what's the net? What I wanted to kind of focus on was the the foundation of the dynasty. I mean, the foundation, the, the like, when did this Nick Saban dynasty begin? And, and to me, it began the night we destroy Clemson and then we win and we just keep on winning. We keep on winning. Yeah. A lot of our fans watch that Georgia game 
this week or went over it uh, from all the tweets that was on Bama Twitter. So, yeah, yeah, LSU 08, which I believe off the top of my head, we won in overtime? We did. Baton Rouge? Yeah, and I'm and, and I'm spoiler alert. I, I just I was there for that one too. And what was amazing about that one? It was Julio against Patrick Peterson. You know, freshman on freshman, and we throw one to Julio uh, at the beginning of over or, or on our drive of overtime, and Julio gets down to the one, which lends credence to my belief that forever and ever and ever, Alabama players on great plays will always get down to the one. You know how Damian Harris was caught at the one a gazillion times? Um, <laughs> you think about all the times we've just gotten to the one and then we have to punch it in. I mean, I, it, it sort of takes the luster off of it. But, yeah, I would have much rather Julio have just put that one on in the end zone. And then and on the next snap, is, and, uh, John Parker runs it in and does the uh, cell no, phone. Oh, he didn't run point. it in on the next play. I think we got stopped two plays in a row, and I think he did it on third down. Ah, and wow. that's what makes it even more interesting because it could have come down to a field goal. And I remember, I I remember he celebrated goal. with the phone thing because the LSU he fans did. had gotten his cell phone number and had driven him nuts. But I think he did that earlier in the ball game, if if I remember right. Now we go, we got to rewatch it, but I think he did that earlier in the ball game. And if you remember, we came down and attempted a field goal, had it blocked right before overtime, and I'm like, damn it, you know, here we go wow. again. But we only got a few minutes left here, Jimmy. So uh, we're going to tell everybody go check out all the great Locked On podcast. Appreciate all you guys listening. This really is a lot of fun, man. I didn't think I was going to enjoy this this much. I'm loving the shit out of this already. Um, so I can't wait to go ahead and dive into this 08 LSU game. And uh, that's what we'll talk about tomorrow. We will. And everybody, uh, hey, with all the uh, with all the quarterbacks uh, doing this little carousel and moving around, I think it'll be fun for you guys who like the NFL. Probably good good day to listen to Locked on Panthers and their excitement about Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, this oh, sure. Locked on Patriots about – Tom Brady leaving the pay. I mean, there's a lot of good things to, that you can find going through the Locked On Network uh, to j- just kind of see what you can find. There's a lot of just general Locked On NFL shows and even Locked On the NFL Draft. So, uh, yeah, it's a good time in our lives to uh, to really jump into podcasts. What the hell else are you doing? All right, guys, roll tide. Roll tide. <laughs>